0: today on Summit Life with J.D. Greer. You
1: feel like he doesn't care when your kids are walking away? You feel like he doesn't care when you got needs that are unmet? I'm telling you, the cross proves that he does, so press through. The cross is the measure of God's compassion for us, and the resurrection is the measure of the power that he uses to save. He can help you, and he will help you, so press through.
0: Welcome back for another week of teaching here on Summit Life with Pastor J.D. Greer. As always, I'm your host, Molly Vitovich. Doesn't it seem that all families have some level of drama? But Jacob and Esau had more than most, and Esau had sworn to kill Jacob after he swindled him out of his inheritance. Jacob got out of dodge, but after hiding for 30 years, God called him back home. Esau's army was marching out to meet Jacob, who was woefully outnumbered. It was a mismatched fight for sure, and Jacob's fear was understandable. Today on Summit Life, Pastor JD picks up the story of Jacob pleading with God. You can hear previous broadcasts from the Press Through teaching series that we're currently in by visiting online at jdgreer.com. But for now, let's return to our teaching titled Wrestling All Night. Here's Pastor JD.
1: I'm going to identify five things for us that I believe God is teaching us through this story, and I'm gonna tie every single one of them to prayer because the context of this whole story is prayer. Number one, here's the first lesson. The blessings of God are released into our lives through prayer. The blessings of God that God has decreed over us and prophesied over us come into our lives through prayer. God has already decreed the blessing over Jacob but it doesn't really become his, at least in the fullest sense, until he grabs a hold of it through a night of wrestling with God in prayer. He laid hold of the promise of God through a night of prayer and that's when the blessing that God had intended for him actually became his. What promises have been left unclaimed for your family? What promises has God intended, have already been spoken, that are just not actualized? Because you haven't grabbed a hold of them through prayer. I saw a story in NPR this past week. Every year, every year, $5.8 billion worth of gift cards go unclaimed, which means that the benefit has already been paid for by somebody, but it's a benefit that never gets enjoyed. All the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus for you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. It's been purchased by Jesus' blood. Which of the gift cards that he purchased for you have just not been claimed and are left wasted? You got a book You got a book full of 3,000 gift cards that have been purchased by Jesus' blood. You just gotta go get them. You just gotta go get them but they're not going to actualize into your life until you get in there, until you get them, and until you release them by believing prayer through a night of wrestling. Here, here, here's the second point, that leads us into it. Sometimes, sometimes the blessings of God are released in our lives through persistent prayer. That's Martin Luther, the, the, the reformer, said that this story of Jacob wrestling with God gives us a picture, listen, of wrestling with a seemingly hostile God in prayer. True? I mean, come on. I mean, if a guy's attacking you in the middle of the night, that's a seemingly hostile God. Luther said that this is a common image in scripture and it's a little disturbing. And some of you have noticed this, but you've not been courageous enough to admit it when you read the Bible. For example, Luther, Luther points this out. He says, The Syro Phoenician woman who comes to Jesus in Luke 8, she's a Gentile. And her daughter is sick and she needs Jesus to heal her daughter. So she says, Jesus, will you heal my daughter? And do you remember Jesus' response to her? Woman, it is not right for me to take the children intended for bread and give it to dogs. Oh, snap. He just called her a dog. All this time, I was like, oh, call her a dog. I, I, I've heard commentators try to explain that away by saying, oh, well, the word he used for dog was a diminutive dog, meant little puppy. Okay, but he still called her a dog. It's just that that's not proper in any culture to call someone a dog, especially not in Jewish culture when dogs were unclean. However you wanna spin that story, however you wanna spin it, Jesus appears to be indifferent and hostile to her. Now, he's gonna end up giving her the miracle if you read the end of the story, but what you find, watch, is that he appears at first to be hostile and indifferent. Or, or how about this one? Jesus, Luke chapter 18, explains prayer. He said, this is what prayer is like. He said there was a woman, an old woman, an old widow who, who, who had no money, and she had a, a case. But because she had no money, she couldn't afford a lawyer, and she couldn't even bribe the judge. And this judge, who did not care anything about her and didn't care anything about justice, didn't want to have anything to do with her because she had no money. He said, but she came to this man's house every day and just wore him down through her continual complaining. Every time this judge was trying to go to sleep, she's at his door going, judge, judge, judge. And he's like, hey, I, leave me alone. And she's like, I'll be back tomorrow. He goes out the next morning, pulls his car out of the driveway. She's in the driveway going, hey, have you had a chance to get to that thing that I was talking about? And no matter where he went, what he did, there she was. Jesus' statement, Jesus' words, this judge, who cared nothing about justice and nothing about this woman, gives her what she asked by her continual complaining. The appearance of hostility and indifference. Now, Jesus said that's what prayer is like sometimes. And that's one of those stories that I'm really glad that Jesus told not me. I mean, I'm like, she's like, what's he trying to say? God is like that judge? I mean, clearly God is not someone who does not love us or care about justice. The cross shows you that he cares about both of those things. He's just trying to say that prayer often feels like that. God often appears hostile and indifferent and uncaring to us. Have you had that experience? All of you should be going yes, because if you're not, then you either don't pray or you're lying. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be, God, don't you care? And God, sometimes when I'm praying, you do the opposite. It's like, like I'd rather you almost stop praying because I pray this and you do that. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to feel like God is indifferent and hostile. Why, why, Luther says, is God like this? Listen, this is gold. Luther says, he does so to see the strength of our faith in his goodness. Will we press through, Luther says, what looks like hostility to see the rushing river of God's goodness that runs underneath, like a child trying to push against the hand of a parent. The parent gives only enough resistance to test the resolve of the child, so God resists us in prayer to see our resolve in his goodness. Luther, pointing to the story of Jacob, says that we should try to, I love Martin Luther, we should try to catch Christ in his own words. We should try to catch Christ in his own words and hold his words back up in front of him and say, God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? God, I am pressing this through. And God, I'm putting your words in front of you, you promised. God seems to many of you to be distant and uncaring, and I'm telling you, it's just an illusion, so press through. Through your persistence, you will find that there is a river underneath the resistance of what appears to be God's indifference, and God will, God will give you what you are asking in his will as you press through what appears to be hostility and indifference, and you grab hold of the blessing that's underneath. Some answers are only given after a night of wrestling, so press through. This is the God, by the way, who went through the darkness of Gethsemane, who went through the pain of Golgotha for you. So press through. You feel like he doesn't care when your marriage is falling apart? You feel like he doesn't care when your kids are walking away? You feel like he doesn't care when you got needs that are unmet? You feel like he doesn't care? You feel like he doesn't care when you got friends that are lost? I'm telling you, the cross proves that he does. So press through. The cross is the measure of God's compassion for us. And the resurrection is the measure of the power that he uses to save. He can help you and he will help you, so press through. About 10 years ago, the very elite Berlin Academy of Music did a study with musicians. They divided these musicians into three groups. World-class soloists, the best of the best, high-level performers, and then those who were very good but unlikely to play professionally. Here's what they found, listen. They found that all of them started playing at roughly the same age. And all of them practiced about the same amount of time until the age of eight. But that is when their practice habits sharply diverged. The researchers found that by the age of 20, the average players had logged about 4,000 hours of practice time. The good players, the good violinists, totaled about 8,000 hours, but the elite performers, 10,000 hours. This guy says, while there is no denying that innate ability dictates some of your upside potential, your potential is only tapped via persistent effort. Persistence, he says, is the magic bullet, not aptitude. He goes on to cite the work of a neurologist, um, Dr. Daniel Levitin. He says, the emerging picture from such studies is that 10,000 hours of practice is required to achieve the level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert in anything. This number comes up again and again and again. No one has yet found a case in which true world-class expertise was accomplished in less time. In other words, to get the victory, you gotta be willing to press through. Prayer is no different. There are some things that God only gives through persistence. After a night of wrestling, like a child that is pushing against the hand of a parent, the parent only gives enough resistance to test the resolve of the child. So God, Luther says, resists us in prayer to see the resolve that we have and the faith that we have in his goodness. So here is my question. You believe in God's goodness? And if so, does the judge know about you? Does the judge know about you or are you the one that he says she just will not stop knocking? And because you are pushing through, because you are pushing through, God might be ready to give you what you're asking. So I'm just telling you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up.
0: You're listening to Summit Life with Pastor J.D. Greer. We'll return to our teaching in just a moment. But I wanted to remind you about our featured resource this month. Like we've been learning for the past several weeks, we have the ability to embrace and communicate with the living God through prayer. And we're trying to equip you more in this area by offering a new bundle of resources designed to boost your prayer life. We have three short books on prayer meant to help you grow with fresh ideas and new understanding. Take the time to talk with God about the relationships that matter most to you. There's no greater gift you can give than the gift of your time spent in prayer. Give us a call at 866-335-5220 or check them out at jdgreer.com. Now let's get back to today's message. Here's Pastor JD.
1: Number three, the blessings of God are not obtained by our contriving. The blessings of God are not obtained by our contriving. I I pointed out that when the guy asked Jacob what his name is, the point is not that he doesn't know Jacob's name. Of course he knows his name. I, I told you the point is he wants Jacob to admit it. My name is Jacob, and I'm a liar. You see, when Isaac, his daddy, had asked him what his name is, you remember this? Jacob said, my name is Esau. And he lied, and he obtained the blessing by manipulative means. Now what he is saying is, my name is Jacob. I'm a deceiver. I've tried all my life to obtain these blessings for myself by my own manipulative means. Now I am repenting. So God, watch this. God gave him a new name, Israel which speaks of God giving the blessing, not Jacob resting it for himself. And this name of blessing would be so far beyond anything Jacob had strived to gain on his own. The name Israel is going to appear 1,800 times in the Bible, and it is going to speak of blessing beyond anything that Jacob could possibly have imagined. It was not just blessing for him, by the way. It was blessing for the whole world because from his descendants would come Jesus Christ, and you and I are sitting here this morning enjoying the blessings that were given to Jacob. Some of you have spent all your life striving, deceiving, wrestling, worrying to get some blessing. The blessing that you are searching for is not going to come by your own manipulative means. It's not gonna come from your wrestling, worrying, striving, and deceiving or grasping. It is going to come by submitting. Winning the blessing comes by losing to God. That is what this story is in there to try to teach you. For the rest of Jacob's life, he's gonna limp on his own hip socket, his torn hip socket, reminding him that winning the blessing came from losing with God. Are you ready for your life to be turned upside down? Are you ready to lose? Has God had to tear your hip socket apart to show you that? For some of you, that's exactly what he's done. And that's exactly where you are right now is God has torn your hip socket apart because he's just trying to show you the way that you've gone about to seek this blessing that you crave. It's all wrong. You don't win it by manipulating and grasping. You win it by losing with God. James 4, 2. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. That you do not have because you do not ask. Winning the blessing comes from losing with God. Number four. God is himself the primary blessing that we seek. Notice that at the end of this encounter, do you see this? Watch. God doesn't say to to Jacob, okay, Jacob, all right, don't worry about it. I'll take care of everything. Everything's gonna be fine. Go meet Esau, right? Go meet Esau and we'll take care of it. Did did you see that at the end of the story? Nope. God simply says, go, I am with you. There is no promise Jacob will live through the encounter with Esau. In fact, God's made him limp, which means that prior to this encounter, he could have at least ran. Now he can't even run. He's gonna drag his limp leg behind him everywhere he goes. God has not empowered him to reach his potential. God has destroyed him so that he limps. What Jacob got in this wrestling encounter was the assurance of God's personal presence. He got the restoration of relationship, not the resolution of a problem. And that restoration of a relationship was greater than any earthly blessing. Whatever you are searching for, listen, do you know that it cannot replace God? And do you know that, listen, God sometimes withholds that blessing that you seek to teach you that? to teach you that a relationship with him is better than any of his blessings, that's what emerges from this night of wrestling. Or or let me say it this way, Jacob in this wrestling match did not get resolution of his problem, what he got was relationship. And you are going to have to choose between those two. Many of you right now, you gotta choose, do you demand resolution or are you gonna get up with the assurance of relationship? Is his I am with you enough for you? To go into the unknown, not knowing how it's gonna turn out. Paul, the apostle asked three times for a particular blessing that he wanted and three times God said, no. In fact, finally told Paul, stop asking, stop knocking. I'm not gonna give you that, but my grace is sufficient for you. And my presence is gonna go with you where you don't get that blessing. God may not promise you he will get you the job or the boyfriend or heal the person that you want him to heal. But what he does promise is himself. And sometimes, listen, the greatest effect of the night of wrestling with God is not a change of your situation. Listen, it's a change of your identity. Because in that night of wrestling, listen, you go from being Jacob, one who manipulates, to being Israel, one who trusts God. Jacob thought that Esau was his primary problem and that what he most needed God to do was change Esau. In actuality, Jacob was Jacob's biggest problem. And what Jacob needed God to do was to change Jacob. Sometimes in prayer, God changes the situation. Sometimes he changes your identity. Some of you feel like I would be happy if God would change X. And God says, I want to change you so that you will be happy whether or not acts ever happens or not. Because your problem is you are an idolater. And you feel like you can't live without the big house and the nice car and the great marriage and whatever else it is you think you need. And I need to change you so that you will be happy and satisfied in me. God would promise through the prophet Jeremiah, you will search for me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart and your soul. Do you know what it means to seek God with all your heart and your soul? Not half your heart and your soul. All your heart and soul means, Jesus, you are all I need, all I want, all that I'm searching for because you are the greatest of all your blessings. And if my situation never changes and if I go out there and Esau takes out a spear and stabs me through the heart, it's okay because you are with me. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where could I go from your presence? Could I go to the highest heavens or the lowest hell? Even you would be there, God. There's no place I could go and your presence with me is enough. So my question for you is very simply this. Do you want resolution or do you want relationship? What do you want? What do you want most? Because sometimes God will withhold resolution because what he intends for you is relationship, which is a greater blessing. Number five. Number five, we know that God hears us because he became weak for us. We know that God hears us because he became weak for us. If you're wrestling with somebody a lot smaller than you, you have to hold yourself back, right? Like when I wrestle with my kids, my son who is three, one of his favorite you know, daddy dog pile. It wants me to like, you know, dog pile on top of. When I lay on top of him, I have to literally hold myself up so I don't crush him. How much does omnipotence weigh? How much did God have to hold back? Jacob should have been crushed, which means God voluntarily held himself back. In this wrestling match, God became voluntarily weak, and in that moment, listen, God feigned weakness to bring Jacob's salvation. Centuries later, the full weight that Jacob deserved came down on Christ. He pretended to be weak in Genesis 32, so that later, the full weight that Jacob deserved would come down on Christ Tim Keller says it this way. Jacob held on at the risk of his life to get the blessing for himself. Jesus held on at the cost of his life to get the blessing for us. Thus, we can be sure that he hears us because he was crushed for us. So you can press through and never give up. Sometimes it seems like God is not listening. He is. The cross assures you that he is. So press in and press through. John Owen said, after the Garden of Gethsemane, after the cross of Christ, the greatest insult you could ever give to God is to doubt his love and compassion for you. God cared enough to come down to Jacob and wrestle with him. God cared enough for you that he came down to earth, took on himself the form of a servant, took your sinful flesh, wrestled with sin in the garden of Gethsemane and was crucified by it until it crushed the life out of him so that he could reconcile himself to you and be with you forever. So of course he cares. How could he not? He's got more invested in your life than you do. He lives inside of you. So you know that he hears you because he became weak for you and was crushed by you. And even Genesis 32 is pointing you to a God who would become weak and do the unthinkable so that he could be reunited to you forever so you could be sure that he is listening to you in whatever situation you are in. You ever feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? I, I, I do sometimes. You feel like your ceiling is like, you know, got steel beams, double reinforced concrete and just boom, right back down. You know what you should remember at that moment when it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? You should remember that the God you're praying to is not way off in a distant heaven up there somewhere. That God that you're praying to actually became flesh so that he could be beside you and inside you. So when that prayer bounces off the ceiling, it comes back down and guess who's there to receive it? The God who is in your heart, who was crucified and crushed for you. So of course you can pray with confidence because God became weak and was crushed. And no matter what you think about whether or not he's hearing you, he is. Because he went through the garden for you, because he was crushed for you.
0: This has been a message about the proper attitude in prayer from Pastor J.D. Greer on Summit Life. You can hear it again or catch up on the previous message in this teaching series called Press Through at jdgreer.com. So, J.D., we're offering a bundle of three books right now called Five Things to Pray that cover three very different topics. So what's the best way to use this bundle of resources?
2: Yeah, Molly, these are three books that I use and that I'm happy to commend to our our Summit Life listeners. Each of these guides um, will give you uh, instruction and biblical promises about how to pray for an aspect of your life. Your kids, your parents, or your community, and and, uh, it gives you 21 different areas and situations you can pray through. There are five different things to pray for each of these 21 areas. There's also a little space on each page for you to write in the names of specific situations. Um, Every prayer suggestion its maybe what I appreciate most about this series. Every prayer suggestion, every prompt is based on a passage of the Bible. The prayers that start in heaven are the ones that are heard by heaven, and it's a way of you praying God's words and His promises back to Him to engage and enact His promises in your life. Um, Take a look at this bundle of resources right now at JDGreer.com. It's something I'm I'm happily and enthusiastically committing to you because I think it'll make a difference in your prayer life.
0: Let us send you the bundle of five things to pray books today. Your gift to the ministry right now helps us proclaim the powerful gospel message every single day all across the country and around the world. We thank the Lord continuously for our faithful partners because we truly couldn't do this without you. As always, you can visit us at jdgreer.com or call us right now at 866-335-5220. That's 866-335-5220. I'm Molly Vitovich and I'm so glad that you joined us today. Remember to listen tomorrow when we'll look at the story of Daniel in the lion's den. See you Tuesday on Summit Life with J.D. Greer. program was produced and sponsored by J.D. Greer Ministries.